This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. I remember early in my time with Gary and Jay, I was sitting in a mastermind and Gary Keller asked the room, what is the purpose of a goal? And people shared a lot of ideas that you could summarize up to, to achieve a result. And he said, you know, I used to think the same thing, but I realized it isn't true. The purpose of a goal is not to achieve a result. It's to be appropriate in the moment. And what this means is that our goals should be a compass for who we can become. It's not about the result and whether you achieved it or not. It's about informing how you can become the best version of yourself. Because if you focus on becoming the best version, then you are on the path of achieving extraordinary results. The challenge is, I don't know about you, but in school, it was about having the results. And even in most organizations, you are measured on the results, but leaders don't often have conversations about who you need to become. And we believe the job of a leader is to teach their people how to think. It's that simple. Teach your people how to think so they can get what they need when they need it. We also believe that all leadership starts with self-leadership. And what this means for you is whether you are a leader of people or whether you are just leading yourself, your job is to teach yourself how to think. The person you are going to meet today, this has been her lifelong journey. She is the founder and CEO of Poopery, which is a global brand. She has, Her products are in households across the world and along the way, allow her to grow a personal net worth reportedly at, at close to a quarter of a billion dollars, all by detaching herself from the result and focusing on who she could become, paying attention to what brought her alive and what didn't. Today, we are going to dive into her story of how she went from being bankrupt twice and down on her knees praying to God to simply end her life because she didn't think she could go on anymore to how she got the idea for poopery and how she was able to scale it to what it is today. We're going to talk about for her specifically why she actually doesn't necessarily believe in goals in terms of the result but how she uses it to identify who she can become. We're going to talk about how you can get clarity on what you should be doing and why you should be doing it and how you can become a better leader for your people. All of this is in service of achieving extraordinary results personally and professionally. There are two resources we would like to point you to that will help you if this episode brings you value. First, if you are an individual that you would like more support on setting big goals that can become a compass for who you need to become in the next 12 months, head on over to theonething.com slash setmygoals. Learn more about our goal setting retreat for couples and individuals. It's one of the best things we do. You'll want to check that out. And if you are a leader in an organization and would like to have a conversation with us about how you can use the simple principles and models of the one thing to drive the kind of clarity, ownership, and fulfillment that Susie talks about, go to theonething.com slash teams. And again, both those URLs are with the number one in the URL, theonething.com slash setmygoals and theonething.com slash teams. With that, let's get into this conversation with Susie Batiste. Batiste. 
Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Susie, I'm excited to have this conversation today. Uh, I shared with you, when we talk about goals, we fundamentally believe that the purpose of a goal is not the result you achieve. It's who you can become to achieve that result. It's nothing more than a compass for who you need to become. Knowing what I know about your journey, um, (laughs) you've faced more hardship than most people, which has forced you to ask some real serious questions about who you had to become. I want to go back in your career to when things were really challenging and you were down on your knees just praying for help. Take us there. Yeah. Okay. So probably I've been there a few times, but probably the most business focused time that I've been there was when I was 38 years old. It was in 2000, in 1999, I created a platform um, called Greener Grass. And it was a recruiting platform where I was uh, matching a person's culture to a company's culture, right? That was the first degree of recruiting. And then down, we would go through technical skills and technical matches. Great. Psychologist on board. I was in the final stages of getting $5 million in funding. And I'd put all of my own money in there and the stock market crashed, right? It was the dot-com crash of 2001. And I lost everything. It what I considered everything, right? I really was at the lowest low Jeff because I had been running so hard. Like no one tried harder than me. Like I was always working a job and selling stuff out of the side of my other, you know, back in my car. I had businesses going. If you want to talk about a hustler, like no one hustled. Like I hustled. I was just never successful at my hustle. I was mm. just running, running, running. I really thought money was going to get me somewhere, right? Once I'm successful, then I'm going to be worthy. And when that bankruptcy happened. Um, well, first of all, I didn't face any of it. I really thought I was going to be able to pull it out. You know, I always tell people, face your problems directly and fully. Okay. I was knew I was going to get something to pull myself out. And I'll never forget the day that I'm standing in my kitchen and I hear the sound of the winch out in my back driveway. And there goes the car, right? And I run out, try to get all my stuff out of it. And then it was the next car. And then it was the house. It was literally this tumbling that just kept happening. Like my worst nightmares were And what you mean is repossessing your car. Uh, Repossessing both cars, my house, like I like gone. Okay. So I was, I had to file bankruptcy. And I was just so full of shame and embarrassment. And I really, really thought I was the worst business person on the planet. I had, and and I went to, 
a hypnotherapist and he was somebody I'd never done therapy in my whole life, which was amazing at 38 with all the stuff I had been through. You know, I've been through, you know, sexual abuse and domestic abuse and, you know, all of the, you know, dysfunctional childhood. I've had all the problems, but never had even looked at them or even didn't know the concept. Go to this hypnotherapist and he says, your problem is that you have no meaning in your life. Mm. And my answer was, what are you talking about? I have kids, right? (laughs) You have no spiritual, you have no higher power. Because I kind of said, not kind, I said F you on any kind of God or spirituality early on because of what happened in my childhood. And I read Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. And I was, uh, that was the beginning of kind of like a, like, huh, Right. Um, I wouldn't say I was fully in, but I definitely was, huh? Now, at this point, I was so depressed. I was using every outside resource. I was using astrologers, numerologists, feng shui. I was turning my bed every month. I was in so much fear and panic. I didn't even know where to go. That at one point I went into a room and I tried to kill myself when I was 21. And I knew that I wouldn't try to kill myself because I had children, I had a family. So I went in, got on my knees, and I literally told God. It was that moment that you hear of people. I still, it still touches me to this day. And I just said, like, I'm done. Like, you're going to have to take me. Like, I'm literally not willing to live anymore. Like, I don't even know how to move forward from this place. I didn't even know how to take a step forward. So when people talk about pulling yourself out, I didn't even know what that meant, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm so dizzied uh, by everything. And uh, within two weeks, I had Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is. Uh, I just read that. Holy smokes. Yeah. So I was at, I had taken my daughter, she was acting at a children's theater and I went to a bookstore and there's Byron Katie's face. You know, her face is right on it. It yeah. says, Loving What Is. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. Okay. Like, love this. Like, are you kidding me? And uh, of course, I picked up the book. I devoured it. Within two weeks, I was at her 10-day workshop. And I walked out of there free and at peace for the first time in my life in 10 days. It was literally what I realized. It was my thinking that was the problem, right? Yeah. yeah and and for, for people who are not familiar with it, um, the, the high-level premise of it is that we actually don't experience life, we experience our projection of life. Just like how you go into a movie theater, you sit back in the in the chair and you see what is projected on the screen. In any moment, you are experiencing what your brain is projecting. And any time in your life, you are experiencing fear, shame, anger, negative emotions. It's actually your mind telling you that what you are projecting is not true. And it allows you to ask a simple series of questions to truly interrogate your reality to love what is. Yep. Is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true? How do you react when you believe that thought? And who would you be without that thought? Those are the four questions. And <laughs> those four questions etched in my brain, but it actually brought me freedom. Before that, Jeff, I was complete victim my entire life. Um, it was like life was coming at me. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, you hear people go, is life for you or is life happening to you? I was a life happening to me. And I was just fighting and clawing and fighting and clawing. And nobody's tougher than me. Like I'm talking, I'm tough, but that flattened me. And whenever I got out of her workshop 10 days later, 
I had freedom. I had zero desire for money or wealth or being in business. I was happy for the first time in my life. As a matter of fact, she did one workshop on money that I know of. I was on that weekend, in that weekend workshop. I started studying with her for about four years. I, mm-hmm. I you know, was an associate. I forget what they called them back then, but I just traveled with her and did all of her programs. And I just kept questioning every thought and every thought. I actually did the work on money for six months straight. Just every concept I had around money. And ironically, I just kind of giggle. I wrote this course called Inside Out, How to Create a Life You Love by Going Inside. And I taught it to five women and they all just kind of looked at me. They came to about three classes and then they quit. And I remember thinking like, oh, I haven't achieved material success, but I knew where abundance was. I knew it was an inside state of being, right? Like I could have taken a lie detector test. You would have said, where does abundance uh, you know, live? And I would have told you it's inside. It's inside a person. You have an abundant vibration, 100% knew it. And within, I think, three months, I had the idea for poopery. And after that, um, and of course, that you know, yeah. this has yeah. been a 14-year ride. Yeah. Um, Before we get into poopery, I want to talk a little bit about your identity. Pre-Byron Katie, what was your identity attached to? Really unworthiness. And uh, I really didn't believe that I deserved it. And okay, there's a few parts of identity. You know, we all have many aspects. But the main aspect was that some external source was going to fulfill me. Mm. You know, whether it's, you know, when I was young, it was a God, whenever I was, or, you know, some savior or something fills you from the inside. I'm not saying I'm not disputing that right now. because I actually do believe in God, but you know what I'm saying? It was literally like, I, like I, I was molested when I was uh, 12 and the What I didn't realize is that I could have said no. What I did is I prayed to God every night for it not to happen. That's how much I had, my my resources were all outside of myself. You know, someone else was going to tell me how to do it. Someone else was going to make me happy. Someone was going to save me, rescue me, whether it was money, a person, or a thing. So that's what my identity was attached to, is that something outside of me was going to make me okay. And post that, what I realized is nothing outside of me can ever, ever, ever satisfy me or fulfill me. It's a hundred percent an inside job. (sighs) I mean, I'm talking like a 180 shift. It's from outside to a hundred percent inside. Susie, I want to tie this to how you set goals. And I know for you, you have a different view of setting goals. Um, You believe that setting goals to identify a result could actually be a limitation because you could put a ceiling of of achievement over what is actually possible because you might be able to blow that out of the water. You instead ask questions around who you can become. Talk to us about that a little bit. I, I don't have a lot of goals. Well, we have a few goals. Like here at Poopery, we have goals. We win more than we lose. That's it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we we want to try things. We're uh, creative. We want to think outside the box. So that's one of our goals, if you call it. I always want to do a little bit better than last year, but I don't have those like big goals. And I'll tell you why. 
I'll give you an example. I was in a, a workshop with um, my mentor, Gay Hendricks, and he has everyone. This was, gosh, probably five, six years ago. And he's doing this meditation. And he's like, okay, imagine you make $200,000 a year. And I raise up my hand. I'm like, hey. He's like, what? And I'm like, why? I, I make way more than that. Why would I want to say that? And he goes, and I, I said, why would I want to limit myself with a number? And he goes, oh, okay, this workshop's not for you. But <laughs> <what> I, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, or this meditation's not for you. But what I've realized is that I live a life so much more dynamic and rich, not just in external wealth, but internal wealth than I ever imagined. Mm-hmm. So why would I limit it with a goal that I set, right? Mm-hmm. What I do is try to stay within a particular state of being. And that state is, you know, can we have fun? Can we continue progressing? Whatever progress is, is it that we, you know, did, you know, girls don't poop. Can we do a risky video and see how the, the, you know, the excitement of that. And then all of a sudden it goes viral. Well, that was fun. You know, those are more my goals. It's like, can I continue being turned on and in a state of aliveness and if I can do that, then my life always, the outside of my life always gets larger and bigger and more dynamic. And what I know is opportunities always come. You know, they just do, you know, and I'm not doing it for the opportunities. That's a caveat. I'm not doing it to make more money. I'm doing it because I actually prefer more life force energy. You know, I teach in a live OS, this course that I'm teaching, I teach about resonance and dissonance. And dissonance, uh, actually, Dr. Bruce Lipton taught me that. I called him and I said, our ideas alive. And he said, why do you ask? And I said, well, I have this belief system that, you know, whenever I follow an idea that turns me on, it's always more successful than the ones mm. that I'm just doing out of my left brain, right out of logic. And he said, every, everything is alive and every living thing is a vibrational energy. And he taught me about resonance and dissonance. And he said that resonance is when you put two items together and they are the same wavelength and the same pattern. They create more energy together than they do apart. So it's like not one plus one equals two, one plus one equals three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, 10, depending on the level of resonance, right? Dissonance is when you put two energy waves together that are different. It doesn't mean one's bad, one's good. They're just different wavelengths, different um, patterns. You put those two together, it's like noise canceling headphones. They actually create less life force energy than they do on their own. So it's like a bank account. And if you can, if you take your energy and consider your energy as your bank account, not your physical bank account, you go, where's my energy right now? You can start feeling those things that are draining you. It's like literally money being sucked out of your bank account. And if you can start moving towards things that actually light you up, which I did intuitively, Jeff, I came up on this because I'm going to tell you, I had a effort. After when I came back into business, I said, you know what? I know I've been bankrupt twice. You know, first time when I was 19, then when I was 38. What I knew is that I could lose everything in every moment, at any moment. It can happen. I've been there, right? So if I can lose everything, I'm at least going to have a good time. Because when I was, <laughs> right? 
Because when I look back, at least I can say, well, that was a hell of a lot of fun. You know, it's like, man, I went for it. Instead, in the past, when I was 38 and I filed my bankruptcy, I looked back and I was not having fun. Right. I was not enjoying my life. I didn't like who I was as a person. I did all the business moves. I'll give you that transactions. I'll give you that. If you give me this, I'll like, you know, I went to lunch with a cute guy because I knew he was going to give me the order. I mean, these are all done, you know, on a, on a, all the time, but I don't do that anymore. And I was like, I am not selling myself out. I am not going to go towards things that don't light me up. And that was my promise to myself. And it's it's worked out. Now, I will tell you, every time I've gone against my gut and done something just because competition's coming and you have to do it, I've lost so much money. It's ridiculous. Like millions and millions of dollars. So I have used my life as a Petri dish, just going, okay, let's see that we feel good about this. Let's try. You know, let's that. go. It feels, it feels yummy. Where did the idea for poopery come from? The idea came as I was at a dinner party and uh, we were in a small house with a family gathering and someone said uh, it was there was one bathroom and it was really smelly and we were just talking about the bathroom odor and someone said, can it be trapped? And my hobby, I was always the closet hippie, you know, living here in Plano, Texas back then. I didn't let anyone know, but I was always making spritzers and essential oil mixes and I saw it. I went, oh my God, oil floats on water. Like I can do this. Immediately I said, I can do that. And they said, are you kidding me? And it took me nine months because it was a lot more complicated than I thought. Um, but not a single person in my life thought it was a good idea. Not my mother, not my sister, not my kids, not my husband at the time. And that's another thing I tell people is don't worry. You know what I'm saying? If it lights you up, don't worry whether people think it's a good idea because no one thought poopery was a good idea. They would actually walk back two feet when I told them I was going to do. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to get rid of bathroom odor. They're all like, oh, right? Like, okay, <laughs> like you're going to go there? But once I did it, nine months later, my uh, husband at the time walks out of the bathroom and he's holding the bottle because I would have him test it. Like he could only test so often. Right. Because I was mixing and like, okay, thank God he pooped three times a day. Um, <laughs> but uh, one time he walks out of the bathroom and he, his first, he's holding it. He goes, Oh my God, we're going to be millionaires. And I go, What are you talking about? And he goes, Do you realize what you've done? Like you have taken the smell out of shit. And I was like, What? It works. I was so excited. Sent it out to about 12 friends. And uh, they were like, oh my God, I love it. This stuff is amazing. And I started making it after that. The purpose of a goal is not the result. It's who you can become. When you realize you're onto something here, who did you have to become to actually turn this into what you would hope could become a viable company? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I was not interested in it becoming a viable company at all. What I was more interested in is me becoming a viable, healthy human. Mm. So when I first started, when I first started Poopery, I would leave my company for two weeks at a time. And I was going down 13 years ago drinking ayahuasca in the jungle, right? I was on a personal development track like you've never seen. I 
I really would love to see, I, I've rarely met anybody that's done more personal development than me in 15 years. And just saying that, like it's literally been my full-time job and I happen to work at Poopery. So I have used Poopery as a vehicle to prove out what I'm actually experiencing inside. And as I keep growing my inner world and keep clearing and expanding this inner state of being within myself, the company keeps growing. And that's the way it works. I mean, it's absolutely the way it works. I have to restate what you stated because of its significance. Personal development is your full-time job. And you happen to work at Poopery. Yes. Your job is to develop yourself. Yes. And by knocking that domino down, poopery has become what poopery has become. 100%. And, you know, there's actually logistics and physical work in between, a lot of determination, a lot of will, but it was not so that I could fulfill something within myself. My job has been to go inside and harvest. And I even take it one step further. I developed something called the Trinity of Transformation, and it is basically uh, mind, body, soul. But mm. what I realize is that issues that happen on the physical level, that like helping logistics of a physical problem is only one aspect. There's mm. the psychological cause of it, and then there's the higher spiritual meaning. Okay. And I have done this with multi-million dollar lawsuits. Um, as a matter of fact, I have a friend that's a very famous motivational speaker that called me and they were having problems. There was a big lawsuit that was happening to them and they were like, you know, so mad and angry. And, and I said, I, I have a piece of advice for you and you may not like it. And they said, okay. And I said, you need to go in and find this pattern because this is merely an amplification of a pattern that's mm. been in your life up to now. That's the psychological. I said, logistics, hire the right attorneys, best attorneys you can find. That's just one aspect, okay? The other aspect is, how did I create this? And where'd this pattern come from? And the higher spiritual thing is, what am I, what's, what am I to learn from this? So they had gritted teeth and they're like, oh, okay. About a week later, I get a text like, oh my God. And they list like 10 or 12 things that had happened leading up to this that had the same energetic. And they said, this is rooted when my mom did this. And I said, I told you. I said, clear up that. And then you're going to clear up your problem. And sure enough, the person dropped the lawsuit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I swear it works over and over again. And and it's not, I'm not, this isn't woo-woo. This is really, so what I do is I handle business problems. It's just resourceful. And at the same time that I'm handling a business problem, I'm going in doing psychological and spiritual work. And then it always clears up and I always learn and I'm always a better person. What stands out to me in what you said is, okay, tactical. Hire the best attorneys you can afford. Go. Yes. Defend yourself. And you have shown up as a certain type of person over time that has led to this result. One, maybe, maybe not all the consequences were as dire as this, but there is a pattern. And until you can figure out how you become a different type of person, this will repeat itself. 100%. Undoubtedly. And it will get louder and louder and louder. What's an example of you discovering this as a leader? 
as poopery started to scale where you realized there is stuff that is happening. I need to go inside and oh, snap. That's the person I was. Here's who I need to become. Yes. So I have so many stories, but I'll tell you one. Um, I had hired four COOs and one of them had been in jail and prison for seven years. Somebody forgot to do a background check, you know, total criminal. <laughs> Not joking. One of them opened a manufacturing plant behind my back um, and was putting millions of bottles of poopery front through it. One of them had came in and did this whole coup and turned the whole company against me. What I know, if there's a pattern of three, it's a pattern. If there, if it happens three times, there's a pattern. So one thing is you could say, Susie, you really suck at hiring, right? Like that's true. That's obvious, you know? The other thing is... <laughs> And your company's, you know, screwed up because they don't do background checks. Um, But every time I would put systems in place, I would hire, I'd get second opinions, and it just kept happening. And then there was this guy, Boyd. And Boyd had interviewed with me for two years. And Boyd was so slow and excruciating. And I could not hire Boyd. Like, I just couldn't. You know, I couldn't hire Boyd. And I went in and did my work. I went in with my therapist and I said, there's a problem, right? Like I have literally had this happen three times, millions of dollars wasted. This isn't like, you know, I'm talking about, I'm talking real business, real problems. And of course, you know, I get HR policies in place and, you know, different hiring techniques. Again, that's the physical. But I went in and I did all this work. And what I realized is that my first memory was cooking at four years old for my parents. I did not believe that I could be supported. So through my glasses, my lens of trauma, I was hiring people going, oh, you're going to screw this up. And then guess what's going to happen? I get to come in and save the day the way I did when I was little. So I go in and I do that work. And I realize the higher spiritual meaning. It's like, oh, this is for me to see this, right? That I can, can I trust being supported? I ended up hiring Boyd. Boyd's still here five years later in a live OS. Uh, somebody said, I said, so you can keep doing this over and over and you can keep proving out whenever you shift these patterns, these people will show up and you will make different choices because you've actually switched the programming that's inside of you. Mm. And um, I said, it's like brick by brick. And one of my first Alive OS people, she said, you mean Boyd by Boyd. So we have a saying in Alive OS that you can change your life Boyd by Boyd. I love so, that. Isn't that great? So that's one example. I've done it so many times. And we can sit here for 10 examples um, with real business. But even if, let's say we're going to get into the most, you know, I don't believe you, Susie. This is too woo-woo. This is crazy. It's very resourceful. Okay? Because I'm still talking about doing logistics. What I'm saying is you might as well clean your house while you're going through this problem. I can see how some people might look at it as woo-woo, but I just see it so differently. You are not looking externally and saying, I suck at hiring or they pulled one over on me. We didn't see that coming. You're looking internally and saying, this has happened time and time again. And what I'm actually hearing is a commitment to personal accountability. Where's my DNA in this? And let's actually ask the question. Let's search for the answer by dropping our ego and do something about it. Yeah, 100%. Then you're you're shifted forever, right? Because not only have you shifted the the physical world, you're internally shifted because you're Mm -hmm. not probably not going to repeat that pattern again. Mm -hmm. 
How many employees are there with Coopery right now? We have about 70. Okay. So we're small. Yeah. You're kidding. No, but we outsource our manufacturing fulfillment. We outsource a lot so okay. that we could always grow. Yeah. How do you go about betting team cut? One of the biggest challenges we see inside of companies is lack of clarity and lack of alignment. You know, the, 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 the visionary, the CEO or founder has a vision for what it looks like. But if you actually start asking people the question, what is the vision for the company? What is the one thing for the organization this year? It gets diluted real quick to the point that it is as clear as mud. How do you go about creating clarity across your team? So I'll tell you, I just came back as CEO. I'd been gone for two years. And I was explaining to you a little bit earlier, rarely in, in personal transformation work do we get to go back to a place. We're always moving on, whether it's a relationship, a job, a career, you know, even our names sometimes. You know, we go from Susie to Willow, you know, but you rarely go back and get to go, how am I differently? So I had the opportunity to come back into the role as CEO and I chose to come back. And I was terrified. I'm telling you, like my body shook from, I think from all the, I'd had two years of freedom from the weight. And regardless of what you think, you know, being a founder and CEO, there's weight associated to that, right? Mm. And so I took back over. Everybody was still working at home. This was three months ago. And I spent the first three weeks going, what do I want? And I knew that I was not going to come back and be the bitch at the top was not going to happen. I used to have to push energy down, right? Mm -hmm. And we were in the typical pyramid. So I started rethinking everything like, hold on, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. So if I didn't do that, what would it look like? I took every single, before I ever came, I, I didn't even get in on company meetings. My first month of being back CEO, I did not have a single meeting. I was at my home. I got every employee's resume job description down to task level. I cut pace. I reorganized the entire company where actually it's more like a diamond with circles in it. And I redistributed with all KPIs and all of this. And I literally came back and sat with each person. And I said, here's the deal. I was not willing to come back and be that pressure at the top. So I've reorganized the whole company. And you're talking about change of CEO, coming back into the office from COVID and a reorg all happening at one time. Okay, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The amazing thing is I only lost a few people and I didn't know about those people to begin with, right? Um, yeah, I won't say that here. They may be listening. But, but what is incredible about it is what I knew was I was super clear what I was, what I wanted. Mm. As a leader in the organization. Now, my CFO has been with me eight years, and uh, he's actually 34, I think, now. So he started with me in his 20s. He stands up and he he's just, and I look at him one day in the middle of an executive meeting, and I'm like, well, Drew, what happened? And he goes, You are so clear. And when you are this clear, I know exactly what to do. So I didn't even have to tell him what to do. It's literally a clarity within my being. 
Does mm-hmm. that make sense? A thousand percent. Super clear. And, and, and we both cried. You know, we had a very touching moment in front of everyone. But he was like, and I just spent the time for me to get really, really clear. And everyone else has followed suit following that particular clarity. So I want to push on something right there. You did something that most people who lack clarity aren't doing. You said, I spent the time to get clarity. I would make a suggestion. I don't think that was an expense. I think that was a very valuable investment. I think you invested your time to get clarity. I did. And it's something that we've just seen. A lot of people, they're so busy running. They wake up, they fire up their computer and they check their email till they go to their meeting get out of the meeting, check email. Then somebody says, hey, you got a minute. And because they're a team player, they say yes. And it's the end of the workday. They know they were busy, but they question what they got done. It's because they never stopped and actually asked, what matters? What was that answer for you? The answer was really, I'd done a lot of work this past uh, year on codependency. Mm. And what I realized is that I even had that codependency within my organization. It was What do you mean by that? Okay. So my therapist taught me the definition of codependency is it's mostly an empathic person that feels, right? Mm -hmm. You're so empathic that you you can sense another person and you will do anything so that they feel differently so that you feel better, just so you feel better, right? It's like, so what I didn't realize is how much that had seeped out into my organization from me not being clean and clear with my employees. Mm. So um, I got really clear, not in a transaction, but I got some of the dysfunctional energy out of my being and became really clear with, here's your new job. Here's what's expected. Here's what I'll provide. And here's the deal. The whole company's weight is distributed by 70 people, not one. And you're one of the 70. And let's do this. You know, and every single, and are you on board? And every single person was on board. So what I became clear is I was going to not try to lure, fix, change, motivate, you know, there's a lot of this energy is not super clean. It was literally like, here's the job. I'm clear. There's 70 people supporting this organization. I'm one. You know, you're one. Here's what I'm committed to doing. Me looking, how does this look to you? This particular job description. I reorganized the entire company. I took out all the layers of management, all of them. So everybody, we have only a couple And everyone else is more flat and they're all within little silos. Mm. And people are like, well, who do I report to? I'm like, yourself. (laughs) What do you mean myself? You report to yourself. Well, what if I need to take a sick day? Well, here's four things we've come up with. Check with your team. Make sure you're covered. Make sure, you know, all of your work, you know, back, blah, 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 blah. Put the thing in bamboo and take off. Have fun. That'd be good. Okay. Very, very clean. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Clean. I'm not, and I said, I'm not here to motivate you. I am not here to shift you, change you, lift you up or support you. I'm going to do my part. You're going to do your part and we can all rise to the top. And every single person was like, okay. So, so this is so interesting because you see it in most companies, people 
leaders have not been taught that their job is to teach their people how to think. So their people come to them with questions, they give them the answer, and they train them not to think for themselves, but to come to them for the answers. Who do I report to? Who do I seek approval from this? And here you are saying, you are one of 70. I am one of 70. I have a job. Here it is. You have a job. Here it is. Own your job. Yes. Yes. And there's, you know, at first everybody was like, oh, okay. So we've worked at all those wobbles and now people are like, oh, okay. I'm contributing. I'm, it's really fun watching the energy. You know, it took a couple of months to shift yes. and everyone reintegrate. And now people are actually coming to meetings with ideas. Nobody, no, there's nobody to tell them what to bring. It's like you're in the room, okay? You're a part of a team. You're a stakeholder and you're a collaborator. You are expected to bring your DNA to the table. Yes. And this happened with a friend, a conversation with a friend. She said, I wish I didn't have employees. I wish I just worked with all contractors. Hmm. And I was like, oh, interesting. Why? And she said, because it's very clean with a contractor. Because they say, we'll provide these services. I give them money. I don't have to motivate them, try to support them. You're not allowed to tell them what to do. The job the job description has to be so clear that you can say, yes. here's the result I am looking for, and they figure out how to get it done. That's it. Period. Why should it take and- a legal definition to force a leader to get that clarity? Yes. Yes. And I could only get that clarity when I had done a lot of my inner work mm-hmm. about dependencies and these dysfunctional patterns that I had no idea was leaking into my work environment. Isn't that fun? I love that. Susie, we recently did an episode about the great resignation, which is happening right now. The number of people that were going to quit their job, but during COVID, they held on to it just because they wanted to see what happened. And all of a sudden, there's a flood of people that are have already quit or Studies show about 40% of employees are actually looking. Bring that back to doing something that is not in resonance, but actually in dissonance. What advice would you give to people to actually become aware of what they're doing that actually lowers their vibration? One plus one equals less than one. And how they might begin to explore what they should be doing, the things that will bring them to life. Yeah. So one thing is notice your energy. For example, I notice like I love our conversation, right? It's, it's, I feel energized. Mm-hmm. Um, and then notice if you're in a conversation or on a project or at the end of your job every day and you feel like, oh my God, how am I going to get home? Right. You can notice by your physical energy level. Now, let's make sure there's no health issues, you know, those sort of things. If you really think, oh, this is my career I should be in, you know, are you in the right organization? So um, if you just really start paying attention to your energy level and noticing yourself like, oh, I feel really energized right now. I, you know, and then notice when you don't, for example, a three hour financial meeting, you know, I, oh my God, you know, I'm going to need like a two hour massage and, you know, (laughs) like a nap. I'm not joking. Like I just, so I limit those meetings to like 30 minutes. Give me the highlights. I'm going to ask you the question. You know, it's like I, I limit that time and I spend more of my time in creative meetings and things. 
And then you may ask, like, how can I do that when I work for a company? You can actually hold your hand up and you can actually tell your boss or your uh, you know, your person above you, if you have one, listen, I'm on this project. And what I notice is it's not bringing me a lot of energy. And I would think for you and your investment in me, you would want me in things where I'm actually performing at my highest. Because really a company boss, once they understand resonance and dissonance, you should want people in resonance. Because one plus one, you would talk about how to, you know, amplify a company. One plus one equals six, right? Versus one plus one equals negative two. And they're dragging down the whole group, the whole thing. So I would, number one, go, are you in the right career? Is this what you were doing? What did you want to do when you're little? Is this fulfilling you? If If it is, okay, how's your energy level? Is this the right company? Have you made changes within the company? Maybe you're not in the right department, not with the right boss, you're not on the right team. And just start noticing these things. And how can you start making moves towards things that actually light you up? I want want to drill on something because I heard Gary say, you know, in, in a business, you have your goals and you have your people. One can be a movable object. It can move. But whatever is movable, the other becomes immovable. If you make your people an immovable object, this is the team I've got, or this is the boss I have, then your goals become movable, whether they are professional goals or personal goals. Most people would, most people listening to this show would like to say, my goal is the immovable object. This is what I want to achieve, whether it's in the organization or in my life. And therefore, I need to be willing to make changes everywhere else to get in alignment with that. You said it so fluidly. Maybe it's the wrong company. Maybe it's the wrong boss. But most people, when they heard that, they made the person, their boss, the immovable object. Oh, yeah. Which means you just made your satisfaction and happiness at stake. Exactly. Yes, that's it. And you you have the power to move that. And Uh again, the difference is a victim mindset versus, oh, I can shift myself to another place. And again, remember, dissonance isn't one bad, one good. Oh, this boss and this company. I would say you're not resonant and it's okay. It just means you don't have the same energy waves. You're not a fit for each other. Exactly. And you can find one and trust me, you know, these, I I used to, you know, again, you know, I used to hate it when people quit. I was like, oh my God, you know, this is awful. And then I started realizing like, man, they get to go find something that's going to light them up. And then I get to find someone that's actually more resonant. If you look at a cell in a body, Dr. Lipton told me, look at it. He said, every living thing is seeking more life force energy. Mm. Now check that out. Every living thing is actually seeking more life force energy. You have a natural radar system within you that goes, oh, this feels good. Let's go there, right? This is lighting me up. I want to go there because I want more life force energy. That's just, that's your natural impulse. Now, all of the programming is what keeps you from moving, from being that immovable object. Oh, I can't do that. What would they think? And blah, 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 you know, all those stories, which aren't true. You're, you're, you know what lights you up. You can feel it. Yeah. So I really want to drive this home because you said something that um, I had a flashback to what a mentor shared with me when I was still in medical device sales, knowing I was meant for more so afraid to take off the golden handcuffs to, quote, start a company. 
And he, he talked about what you said. As you go through the day, I want you to ask one question. How am I feeling? Mm-hmm. And notice when you're feeling positive, energized, good, and when you're doing things that are actually lowering your energy. And that is a lesson that has carried through me as we've scaled this company from founder doing, co-founder doing everything to realizing, oh, this activity actually drains me. Like I need to crawl in the fetal position with a Snuggie versus this, which it's like I just shot Red Bull into my veins. Yes. And starting to do more and more of the things that bring you life and fewer and fewer of the things that take it from you. That's it. And that's actually just conservation of energy. There you so, go. So good. It's 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 just the way it's the way it works. You know, mm-hmm. you look at a tree, its root system will go find the water. Every living thing is looking just for more energy, including you. Love that. Susie, with where you are in life now. You are constantly in a state of becoming the best version of yourself. What are you focusing on to make that happen? Oh, okay. So I'm focusing on, I recently had a renaissance within my being and realized I'm a maker, I'm a creator, you know? So I... uh, It's funny when you say that, I'm going, of course. I know. But for me, I'm like, duh, you know, it's, I don't know what happened. But anyway, (laughs) I, uh, when I was... And I, and I had some hints along the way. People would say, how does it feel being a success or having succeeded? And I said, I can only say that when I uh, become a fashion designer. That was my dream as a child. And I, and, and I wasn't listening to myself. So what I know is, you know, poopery is not my destiny forever, one of my companies. So I had a friend that was she was one of the top designers in Dallas, and she ended up through my program now is a shaman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she switched careers. So I bought a bunch of commercial sewing equipment. I've been sewing. I built a paint room in my house. Um, I've been doing tons of writing. So I've just been leaning actually more into my feminine you know, I know there's a lot of talk about feminine, but I had always operated, and I didn't even know it just because of my natural will and desire. I'd always operated more masculine in producing versus just creating. So I'm focusing on creating for just the sake of creating, not to make money. And it's interesting. It's really fun. What's your favorite thing you've created recently? Well, I told you I just made the scarf. I've been making scarves for friends. Looks good. Thank you. I've been baking a lot. I've God, I've gotten so good at baking. Um, yeah, and I've done some great paintings. Oh my God! And some of the stuff I've written—if I could read you some of the stuff I've written—it's—I I had no idea I was a writer, and I just became a poet uh, during a heartbreak last year. Um, and I understand Rumi and I understand Hafiz and it's such a beautiful space for me to spend time in. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Susie, where can people learn more about you? Uh, SusieBatiz.com, S-U-Z-Y-B-A-T-I-Z.com. And on Instagram, I'm Susie Batiz. Everywhere, I'm just Susie Batiz. There you go. Well, thanks so much. It was great seeing you again. Yeah, it was awesome seeing you. Thank you so much. Such a fun interview. <laughs> Well, there you have it. Our conversation with Susie Batiz, CEO of Poopery. Folks, the purpose of a goal is not the result. It's to be appropriate in the moment. 
It's a compass for who you can become. There are so many things that stand out from my conversation with Susie. And I'm going to recap the 20%. When we talked about why she started Poopery, she said it wasn't about being a viable company. It was about being a healthy human. From the beginning, it wasn't about the result of building a business empire. It was about how she could herself be a healthy human. And by focusing on how she could become that person, she's built what she's built. I also love how she said, personal development is my full-time job. And I happen to work at Poopery. <laughs> Her job is working on herself, being the best version of herself, becoming the best version of herself. And when she stepped back in as CEO, just simply sitting down to get clarity, to get clear on what she wanted. What did success actually look like? With these things in mind, here's how we believe that you can apply this. If you are a leader of people, first, you as the leader, speed of the leader, speed of the pack. Oftentimes, we as leaders, we give direction to our team and we think we are being clear, but we're not because we have not sat down and invested the time to truly document and crystallize Here's what success looks like. So that when we show up to the team and say, here's where we're going and here's how we will know if we are successful. One, two, three. And we list the 20% things off. If you are a leader of people, I would challenge you to look at the things you want to achieve with your team and ask the question truly, how will we know if we're successful? We see this with organizations all the time when we work with them on their business plans. We'll see priorities like operational excellence. What does that mean? How would you know if you were successful with operational excellence? And they can crystallize it. They can give us specific things that by accomplishing that would be demonstrative of operational excellence. But it takes the leader pressing or being pressed for that clarity. Second, for all of you, whether you are a leader of people or a leader of yourself, I would ask you to think about the goals that you have for this year that are important to you. And ask if you are tying your happiness to achieving that result. Because if that is the case, I can tell you what's going to happen. When you get there, you're just going to move the goalpost. And your happiness will still be held hostage. The opportunity is to look at that goal and ask, who's the person I can become in order to achieve that goal? To the point that you can visualize the activities, that if you did those things over time, achieving the goal simply becomes inevitable. When you have that level of clarity, all of a sudden you start to look at your calendar, it becomes a lot easier on what you need to do to achieve those results. As we shared at the beginning, we have two resources that we think could bring a tremendous amount of value to you. If you would like help setting those goals and figuring out who's the person you can become in the next 12 months and put a simple plan in place to do that, go to theonething.com slash setmygoals. That's with the number one in the URL, theonething.com slash setmygoals. 
my goals and you can learn more about the One Thing Goal Setting Retreat for couples and individuals. It's November 13th and 14th. One of the best things we do. The vast majority of people will be joining us virtually and we'll have a smaller group in person in Austin, Texas for VIP. Check that out. And if you are a leader inside an organization and you're going, holy smokes, I would love to figure out how I as a leader can cast the right shadow so that people are clear and fully own their jobs. And I'd love to figure out a simple path just to drive this through the organization. We have you covered. This is our bread and butter. Go to the onething.com slash teams. We would love to line up a call and engage with you just to really understand your business and help you paint a vision for what this could look like. It would truly be an honor. Again, that's the onething.com slash teams. And like Susie said, you can learn all about her at suzybatiz.com. That's S-U-Z-Y-B-A-T-I-Z.com. And you can learn all about her there. If this episode has brought value to you, please pass it and cut. If this episode has brought value to you, bring value to somebody that you care about by sharing it with them. And if you're new to the show, press the subscribe button so all future episodes are automatically downloaded to your device of choice. And please consider leaving us a rating and review. It genuinely helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose, which is to help you better invest your time so you can achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.